Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Welcome to Hillside Assembly. Good morning. Woo, man. Is anybody else excited about encountering God today? Oh, we're going to have a phenomenal day. My name is Eric. I am the lead pastor here at our church, and it is awesome that you are with us today. Uh, a couple of things to make uh, mention of. If you'd like to know more information about our church, you can check us out on our webpage, hillsideassembly.org. If you're visiting for the first time here in person, we've got a table out in our foyer we'd love for you to visit at the end of service because we have two free gifts we'd love to put in your hands, our purple book and an account for Right Now Media to help you continue to grow in Christ. We do giving a little differently here at Hillside, and we'll allow you to give your tithes and offerings at the end of service, and we have a giving box in our foyer. Whoever closes service today will pray over the offering, and you can give in that box at that time. Of course, you can also give online at hillsideassembly.org. Now, we had a great morning this morning because we were in session two of our foundations class. If you missed it, it's going to be on our webpage later this week. We'll get that up and going. And I hope you'll join us next week for where we're going to be launching into uh, with our foundations class. There's some information in the bulletin explaining what that is. But today, it was awesome because we talked about the history of where we came from, the power of prayer and how God has moved in great ways. Did you know that our AG national office there used to be a brothel where, where the AG National Office is today. How cool is our God in redeeming things that he'd take a brothel and turn it around to the headquarters of the Assemblies of God? I mean, that is pretty awesome. That's the business he's into. And it was neat because it talked about some of the things for us, talking about through the generations at our, of our church, We're coming up on 95 years and and the different things that happen, the transitions, the changes, the transformation. And so this morning, I want to share with you just a couple things about some projects happening here on our campus when it comes to our building and maintenance and those kind of things. Uh, our building is getting a little bit old. Uh, and with that, as you can understand, if you're a homeowner, there are things that have to change and transition because things start breaking down. Uh, some of the things that we're working on uh, and projects that we've had, we've had to put on pause temporarily. Uh, like anything that had to do with copper wiring. We had a couple projects where we needed to run some copper wiring. Well, that's at a 10-year high, so uh, it's like seven times more expensive to buy copper wiring right now. And so a project that was you know, scheduled to be $600 is, is now $3,600. And so those projects are on pause, but we are making some steps forward. You'll notice one of the first things this morning is we've got some new lights in our sanctuary. We've taken out the old fluorescent fixtures. We were hoping to have that completely done running to the back of the sanctuary. Unfortunately, we ran into a few problems with that. Um, and so, so some of them had a few problems, so we had to send them back. 
and we need to order a few more. And, like you can understand, anybody tried to buy a, something right now and you can't get it? Uh, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, so this isn't done. It's, it's a work in progress, but as the parts come in, we'll finish up those projects. Another project that we're working on is our fluorescent lights that are in our sanctuary. And we've got a picture here, or not in our sanctuary, but throughout our building. Uh, currently, we have 133 fluorescent fixtures. The problem is, is those were installed when the building originally went in. Several of those fixtures are beginning to fail, break uh, in different capacities. So instead of just changing those out, we're actually going to move to something better. We're going to change over to some LED panels. You'll see the difference between the two. Uh, we're going to start in the offices, and we'll slowly move through the church uh, in different, different rooms and different areas as we can, because we're not going to do 133 lights all at once. Plus, we can't get 133 lights right now. Uh, so you'll see those begin to happen. And then finally, you notice that there's some changes on our stage, and there's more changes yet to come. One of the projects we're hoping to do this winter is uh, put an access hatch in on our sanctuary, or on the floor to the stage, so that we can actually get these wires that are running everywhere underneath the stage and just clean it up some more. So lots of projects happening. Thank you for bearing with us uh, as we move forward through the winter and the spring, because uh, it's going to be one of those things we can only work a project so far, and when we don't have any more parts, we're going to go work on a different project until we can go so far. Eventually, we'll get all these done. Amen? Amen. So everybody's doing the same thing at home, too, so we're all in the same boat. But we've got a couple other announcements, and to talk about those, well, let's have Jeb do that. Volume. Man, Hillside, are you excited to be here today? Woo, me too. Well, let's go over some announcements. Now, who brought their Operation Christmas Child box today? Oh, if you did, you can drop that off in the foyer. Please remember to include $9 for each box to cover all the shipping costs. And if you forgot your box, I got news for you. You can still bring it next Sunday. And in fact, next Sunday, we're going to pray over all those boxes together in our morning worship experience. It'll be great. Speaking of great things... Next Saturday, the women have a get-together here at church. It's from 10 to 11.30. Carol Ferguson, our missionary to Thailand and Myanmar, will be here sharing. Ladies, you don't want to miss that next Saturday, November 13th. Foundations class is next Sunday. If you haven't been to one yet, you sure want to be here next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pastor will be sharing about our core values as a church. And he'll post that video up later on our website. So if you're not here in person, you won't miss it. Now, who's excited about Christmas? Is anybody out there excited about Christmas yet? I know it's not Thanksgiving, but we got to start talking about Christmas because we have a very special service planned for Christmas Eve. Do you know what day Christmas Eve is on? That's right, December 24th. It is a Friday. And we're going to do a live nativity and caroling. And there's going to be two performances, one at 2.30 and one at 4 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And it's going to be hosted by Adrian Granados and yours truly, me, Jeb. It is going to be a phenomenal evening. It's going to be outdoors, so you got to wear warm clothes. But we're going to talk more about it next week and how you can be a part of this incredible event, the live nativity and caroling on Christmas Eve. Finally, do you know what today is? 
well, yes, Mr. Chris, it is. It is Sunday. That is true. But, but it's a very special Sunday because it's the first Sunday of the month and we focus in on missions. So we've got a special little clip from one of our ministry partners in Panama. Let's roll that video. In the poorest regions of Panama, a minor illness can be life-threatening. For Panamanians with limited access to health care, even the smallest medical problem can turn deadly. The access to medical care here is very limited. They have a medical center, but it's very small. And the people that come, when they leave, they don't have enough money to purchase the medications. Struggling to survive, many people lose hope as they watch loved ones suffer needlessly from preventable illnesses. But through healthcare ministries, working alongside Assemblies of God missionaries, Hermel and Leslie Del Rosario, lives are being changed. One of the advantages of our clinic is that once we take care of the medical part, we give them the message of Jesus Christ. By ministering to both physical and spiritual needs, our workers are tangibly demonstrating the love of Christ in villages and cities across Panama. Obviously the focus of what we're doing in our mission here is to tell them about Jesus. Uh, so it's really great to be able to pray with the patients and to even pray for healing for them uh, and believe that God is going to heal them and touch them. The real difference is in the counseling. We ask them to go to counseling and that's where they talk to them about their relationship with the Lord. And that's really what it's all about. The rest of it is temporal, but that is eternal. I really appreciate the fact that you came here to help us. We don't have much money and can't afford to go to a clinic. It means so much to see all that you are doing for me and my family. You're sometimes limited as far as what you can do medically because you can only give them so much medicine. But the, the more important thing for me is I can share the love of Christ with someone and if they receive Christ as, as their Savior and Lord, I, I've impacted eternity. Well, wow, those people there serving in Panama are doing a great job sharing Jesus. So hey, make sure you give to Missions today. You can mark it in your envelope or, or do a special check and just put Missions on there and drop it in the box at the end of service today. Let's support our missionaries. Well, Mr. Robbie, I think we're ready to scoot, shoot, and boogie in worship. So let's get up on our feet and let's praise the Lord today. To worship the Lord this morning. Psalm 47, verse 6 and 7 says this Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. We're going to open by singing that great hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. And let's worship our King this morning together as we sing it.
For somebody here this morning or watching online, you might just be in this season in your life where you feel like you're not loved or that God's not there or the passion that maybe you once had is, is just not as easy to come by. But it doesn't change the fact that God's word is true. Whether or not you feel love this morning, whether or not you feel that God is close by, I want to assure you that you are loved by God. And that He is here, just not in this place, but in your life. Where you go, our Lord goes with you. You are loved. For others this morning, you're, you're just overwhelmed by the things you're having to process and go through in your life whether it's a diagnosis of an illness for you or a loved one, if you've been sick and, and it's been a struggle to recover, maybe it's bills that are piling up at home or 
something completely different. Same God that rolled back the waters for the people of Israel to walk across on dry ground when the Egyptians were chasing them down walks with you this morning. And he is willing to do great and mighty things. Here's the thing. Moses and the people had no idea what God was going to do to deliver them. But Moses had the faith to know our God can deliver us. And this morning, I want you to know, I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know how Jesus is going to step into your situation and bring it all together. But I do know this. If you're willing to invite him in, he's willing to do it his way. Lord, this morning, there are needs in this place. There are needs in those watching online, needs in our families. Lord, those who are sick and struggling with an illness, those who've been struggling with Lyme disease, those who've been struggling with COVID, those who have, have just been diagnosed with cancer. Lord, there's so many of those physical needs in our body. Lord, those who are struggling and lost their home, lost their job, have bills mounting up. They don't know how in the world we're going to get through this. But what I do know this is you're the answer. God, would you move? God, you still do amazing things. So God, we connect our heart to yours. We may not feel like it. We may feel distant from you, but feelings lie to us. You are in this place because there is more than one of us here who believes in Jesus. We've gathered together. Your word says that you are here with us in this very moment. So would you pour out your spirit in people's lives? Would you do amazing miracles? Would you heal the sick? Would you provide where there seems to be no provision? Would you roll back the tidal waves of the onslaught of things and issues and circumstances that are beyond our control? Would you roll them back and create a path to walk on for us to move forward this morning? Lord, may no man steal the glory that you're about to do in people's lives. To you, get all the glory. To you, be all the praise. This morning, let's just lift our hands up and begin to praise the name of Jesus. You're worthy of praise. You're awesome and mighty and amazing and incredible. And there is no one like you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We're learning to love you more. We're learning to walk in your ways, to do life and ministry just like you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said... Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Worship team, great job. We'll bring you back at the end of service. I think it's time for a transition, and to help us do that, let's bring Jeb back one more time. <gasps> do you know what time it is? It's time for the AG Express Kids Ministry. So at this time, if all the kiddos can get up on their feet and head to the back door with Miss Jackie, we're going to have a great time down in Kids Church. Let's go! I'm starting to really like that train whistle. <laughs> we may not have the horn honks, but we got the train whistle indoors, so it's all good. This morning, I, I want to get back into the book of Mark. Jesus has been working through this series in us a long time, going through the book of Mark, and the whole purpose of this is to be like Jesus, to learn how to do life and ministry like Jesus, to kind of begin to 
to not say it's about what we've experienced in the past or it's about what's been modeled for us, but to go back and say, what does the real word of God tell us? How, how to live and how to do ministry and how to build relationships. And we're going through this. This is the 49th message in this series. And today I get to put on a different hat for you, and I hope that you'll bear with me as I step into an area that is not really my strength. That's in the area of teaching. I am, I am a preacher by nature. That is my natural gift and fit. But there are times where God has us stretch out of our, our natural gift set. Have you ever been there? Yeah. So this morning I get to do that. Teaching is not my favorite thing to do. I don't feel I'm very good at it. Um, but it's what God's asked me to do this morning. When I teach, I tend to stick more with my notes. Uh, and this morning, there is a lot of information I'm going to throw at you. Uh, all right, a lot of scriptures and references for you to look up later. Uh, I'll do my best to, to give those to you. And if anybody wants uh, information afterwards, let me know. And in fact, I'm willing to clean up my notes and have this transcript available for you if you want it. There's just a lot of information here today. Because we're talking about a very interesting portion of scripture. We're in Mark chapter 13, and before we go there and read those scriptures, let's talk about what Jesus is talking about here. A moment in time that we talk about as the end times, and specifically what Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 13 is a seven-year period called the tribulation. So we're going to break all this down for you today. When we talk about the end times, there are, uh, there's a phrase that sometimes two phrases that we get intertwined and confused with. Uh, and that's this, the, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus, which are actually two separate events. Um, but sometimes, and I've been guilty of this too, uh, combining the two when you're talking to people. Uh, and so they're two separate events. We're going to talk about both of them today. And to help us begin to be able to put Mark chapter 13 into its proper perspective, I thought it would be good to do a timeline. Uh, for us to understand those seven years. Uh, and so we're going to break it down, and today's message is going to be broken down into these same segments, the beginning of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, and the end of the tribulation. Now look, you could do a whole sermon series on this. Uh, so we've got a lot of information to get through today. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's do our best to get through this together. So this time period called the tribulation kicks off with the first event here, and it's the rapture of the church. Uh, this begins to usher in the tribulation period. Christ comes in the clouds to snatch away all those who trust in him. You find that in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. At this time, the dead in Christ will be resurrected and taken to heaven too. From our perspective today, this is the next event to happen in bib the biblical timeline, the biblical, biblical prophecy timeline. There are no other events that need to take place for the rapture to occur. All right, and that's been that way for a little while now. So all of the things that had to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church could happen, that's been taken care of. So now we're just on a waiting game. We're waiting for that train whistle to blow and for us to go home. And what a great day that will be. Now, the Bible is very clear that no one knows when this will happen. In fact, it tells us that no one except God the Father knows. Even Jesus, when he was here doing earthly ministry, did not know the time of the rapture. Only God the Father knows that. But I will tell you this, every one of the disciples thought they were living in the end times and that the rapture of the church would happen in their lifetime. And in fact, if you go through history and you look at, at 
documents written by pastors and preachers and church leaders over the last 2,000 years, you'll see that there were several times that the church thought for sure this is the moment. Every one of the disciples thought that. You look in the Middle Ages. If you look at uh, 800 AD with Charlemagne's rule, the church thought for sure this is it. In 1517, you had Martin Luther and the Reformation of the church. They, sure, they thought this is it. This is the last revival talked about. This is the moment. We're getting ready to go. Pack your bags. In the 1700s, we had the rise of the British Empire and the church movement talked about the rapture of the church extensively then because they believed they were anticipating that moment. In 1929 to 1939, even here in the United States, we had churches that desperately believed that this was the ushering in of what would be the rapture. In 1933 to 1945, the Holocaust and World War II, very much so, across the globe, the church thought this was the time. The Cold War from 1947 to 1989, and you might remember this best-selling book in 1988, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back. It was the top seller that year because the church was convinced that this is it. Jesus is coming back in this moment. And spoiler alert, the second book in that series, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Come Back, did not top the top 10. I can't imagine why. But spoiler alert, it hasn't happened yet. All these people were wrong. So I want to give you a warning this morning. I realize that we see things happening in our culture that are transformational, that are difficult and challenging for us to process. But be very careful trying to interpret historical events that you're living through because we will always be jaded because of our perspective. I don't know if we're on the tail end or the, very, the beginning of Jesus coming back. I don't know. But I do know this. I'm closer today than I was yesterday. And I know this. When the whistle blows, I'm out of here. I got an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. My hope, my goal is to, for, for you to have that. We all can leave here together. Amen. So be careful, church. Be careful what we say. Don't blow your witness reaching people. Because the significant message that the church has to say is not the fact that the church is going to be raptured. The message that we are sent with is that Jesus wants a relationship with you to save you. That must be the priority of our message. I know I said I was teaching, but look, preaching's just coming out of me, okay? So with the rapture of the church and the church gone, who then would be able to take the message of the gospel? Who will tell people about Jesus? Well, the answer to that is given to us in Revelations chapter 7, verses 3 through 8, and it says very specifically that 144,000 people would be left. These are witnesses. And better than that, we absolutely know who these people are. 99% chance it is not you. Because these people will be Jewish. There'll be 12,000 from each of the tribes. And these are truly the last believers to carry the baton before Jesus' second coming. So with the rapture of the church now happened, that leads us to the second thing on the timeline, the rise of the Antichrist, an individual that will already be somewhat coming to power when this event takes place. After the church is taken out of the way, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 and 8, 
a satanically empowered man will gain worldwide control with promises of peace. Revelations chapter 13 and Daniel chapter 9. He will be aided by another man called the false prophet who heads up the religious system that requires worship of the Antichrist himself, Revelations 19. Sometime soon after the rapture, it could be simultaneous, but there will probably be a gap of a few weeks. The Antichrist will sign a covenant with many nations concerning the city of Jerusalem, Daniel chapter 9. The signing ceremony is the beginning of what we call the seven-year tribulation period. All right, everybody on board so far? Rapture of the church, rise of the Antichrist, the beginning of the tribulation. The tribulation is a period of seven years in which God's judgment is poured out on sinful humanity, Revelations chapter 6. The Antichrist's rise to power is associated uh, with this time period. During the tribulation on earth, the church will be in heaven. It is thought that at this time, the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb will occur. You find those events in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and Revelations 19. I'm not specifically teaching on either of those today. The fourth event that we talk about at the beginning of the tribulation, and this one is a little, on this timetable, these events at the beginning can be slightly intermixed here, but the rapture of the church happens before those other two. This event, the battle of Gog and Magog, found in Ezekiel uh, chapter 38 and 39, this is, we're not exactly sure timeline-wise where this event falls. A great army from the north, uh, in alliance with several other countries from the Middle East and Africa, attack Israel and is defended by God's supernatural uh, intervention. Uh, and some common commentators of this passage place this as this is, the, this is the beginning of the tribulation. So the rapture of the church could happen before or after that event. It's just, it's not very clear. So that's, that's the beginning of the tribulation. Let's move to the middle of the tribulation. You've got the mark of the beast. Sometime during the tribulation period, the proclamation of the mark occurs. Most prophecy gurus believe the mark will come at or near the halfway point uh, of, the th of three, three and a half years into the tribulation. We find that in Revelations chapter 13. I know that right now, this is a big hot button thing on YouTube prophets or whatever we want to call them, right? Uh, and people talking about this. And look, I think it's good for us to know about the mark of the beast. But again, the mark of the beast is not a problem for the church because we aren't here. <laughs> So people that are proclaiming that certain things right now, let's just be, get it out, the vaccine, that kind of thing is the mark of the beast. Not biblically accurate. And the reason that I know that, I'm still here. <laughs> all right? The Bible's clear. Now, could all of these things we're seeing with mandates and all that kind of stuff, could that be possibly getting us closer to it? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I, I'm not worried about it. I'm more worried about sharing Jesus with people. That is my concern. And here's the other thing. The mark of the beast is a, some type of device that people will have or mark that people will have that will enable them to purchase things. This will happen after that battle, after the rapture of the church, because they're going to have to explain where all these people went. So there is going to be some weird out cover stories coming out from this stuff. 
And so to try to make that process easier than say, hey, we're, currency might not be a thing, all that kind of, we're moving to this mark. And so that mark is going to enable people to buy and purchase things. I want to be very clear. You can't get the mark on accident. <laughs> because not only will that, the mark comes with an allegiance to the Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit. There is a definitive choice every person will have to make that, yes, I'm denouncing all these other things, and the Antichrist is now my God. So it's not something like, I got the, I got the mark of the beast on accident. No, no, it's a choice, a very clear choice. It'll be something spiritual that's a choice, okay? And I know crazy, ridiculous things about people, you know, they're getting this thing in you and, and this, this, this virus that it will change you spiritually. That's not how spiritual things work, <laughs> all right? That's basically saying that we have the power of God, which is not true. God sits on a throne by himself. He is God alone. So, so if you're worried about all that stuff, stop. Stop. Jesus isn't worried about it, okay? So let's continue on here. I'm taking way too long to go through this. The sixth thing on the timeline is the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel and shows his true colors. The Jews are scattered, and many of them turn to the Lord, realizing that Jesus is the Savior. A great persecution breaks out against all those who believe in Christ. Daniel 12, Mark 13, and Revelations 12, which Mark 13 we'll talk about. Uh, the end of the tribulation, now moving to the final events. These two big events happen probably simultaneously or close to each other. Uh, the seven-year tribulation ends with the return of Jesus. This is what we would call the second coming. And then uh, the eighth thing on the timeline is the battle of Armageddon. We see this in Revelations 19. At this point, Jesus establishes his thousand-year reign uh, over the earth. Uh, and you can also see that in Revelations chapter 20. So let's get into our verse today, which is Mark chapter 13. Let's go ahead and just jump right in there. Mark 13, verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled. Once away from the crowds, Jesus' disciples asked him this very personal question. This momentous thing that you're talking about, when will it take place and what will be the indicators that it's soon to occur? Their question revealed that their understanding of prophecy was, not, was quite confused. They thought that the destruction of the temple coincided with the end of the age and then the return of Jesus. But the Lord took their questions and they took this opportunity to deliver a prophetic message. And as we look at this passage, let me give you three things to keep in mind. One, we must study the passage we're about to look at in light of the rest of Scripture. It's a dangerous thing, especially when you're talking about events that are yet to come, to take it from just one source in the Bible and they have that as your complete understanding. So we have to take the Scripture as a whole. Number two, Jesus didn't preach this sermon to satisfy the curiosity of the disciples or to even straighten out, straighten out their confusion thought process on prophetic events. At least four times he said this, take heed. And he closed his address 
with, an abnimation, or, uh, with, with this, watch. While studying this passage can help us to better understand the future events that will take place, it is extremely important that we do not make the mistake of setting dates. That's a bad thing to do. Three, finally, we must remember that this chapter describes a period of time called the tribulation, a period of time that the church will not be present for. Now, the thing about prophetic events in the Bible is they do something that kind of defies logic. Prophetic events that are spoken about cast their shadows forward in time, rather in the past. So what I'm saying is, is that events that are going to happen in the future, we will see them lived out before that time. So there are certain things that Jesus and the prophets talked about that were events that would happen at a certain period of time, but an event similar to that happens in history before that. We'll talk about a few of those as we get in here. So let's jump in to uh, verse 5 and talk about this first section of the tribulation. Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. That's a good word for today for the church. Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When your ears hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogue on account of me. You will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Jesus is telling you specifically this morning, stop worrying about things out of your control. Amen? Just say whatever is given to you at that time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother, and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So don't be deceived. Jesus listed these things that must not be taken as the signs of his coming. Rather, they are indicators that the tribulation is about to begin or is beginning. These signs are the rise of false prophets or Christ, nations in conflict with each other, natural disasters, and religious persecution. These events are considered birth pangs or things that that may be accelerated as we get closer to the rapture of the church and the time period of the tribulation. So let's talk about each one of these really quickly. False messiahs or false prophets. The pages of history are filled with tragic stories of false messiahs and false prophets and their enthusiastic but deluded disciples. Jesus warned about false prophets in several passages of scripture, including verses in Matthew Acts, and John. There is something in human nature that loves a lie and refuses to believe the costly lessons of the past. Mark Twain once said, a lie runs around the world while truth is putting on her shoes. There's a lot of truth to that. 
how easy it is for people to be deceived. And I want to tell you, if you are not on guard and guarding your heart and mind, it is so easy for you to be, see, to be deceived. Us here in this room. We must stand firm on the word of God and we must understand a deepening of the word. Not one passage that one person quotes and takes it completely out of context and go, well, that's gotta be it. We've gotta have an understanding of the word to stand upon. Jesus warned his disciples not to be deceived by those imposters. And that warning holds up for us today. Political conflicts. Oh boy, that sounds familiar. He also warned them not to be disturbed. Did you hear that? He warned them not to be disturbed by political conflicts among the nations. The Roman Empire had enjoyed a measure of peace for many years, but it would not last. As the empire fell into decay, nations would develop, and it was inevitable that nations would come into conflict with each other or nations would have conflict within themselves. Natural disasters. War often leaves famine in its wake, and famine is also caused by man's abuse of environment or it can be sent from God as judgment. There have always been earthquakes, and some are evidence of God's wrath, but not all. Since natural disasters have many causes, it is dangerous to dogmatically make these signs of the end times. But don't be discouraged. Not only were the believers to take heed and avoid these deceivers, but they were also to take heed for themselves. And why was that? Because they would face increasing opposition and persecution from sources that were both official and personal. It was important that believers use these experiences and opportunities to witness for Jesus Christ. That message is true for us today. The persecution would begin in the local Jewish courts, but it would move to the higher courts where governors and kings would be involved. You see a similar development happen, and it's recorded in the book of Acts, but persecution would only result in proclamation of who Jesus was and the gospel message of hope. The believers would suffer for his sake and in that way declare the gospel. It would not be easy for these common people to face courts, governors, and kings, but Jesus assured them that the Holy Spirit would minister through them whenever they had the opportunity to witness. The real cause of persecution is stated in Mark 13, 13, for my name's sake. If we identify with Jesus Christ, we can expect the world to treat us the same way it treated him. Do not interpret Mark 13, 13 as a condition for salvation for it applies primarily to the witnesses during the tribulation. But in any period of time, any person who is truly born again, I want to tell you that God will love you, he will keep you, and he will send you. He will love you, keep you, and send you. You are being sent as a witness of Jesus Christ in the gospel. During the tribulation, true believers will provide their faith by faithfulness. They will not be given to godless pressures of false religion. Let's talk about the middle of the tribulation, starting in verse 14. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the readers understand that, that then let those who are on Judea flee to the mountains. 
Let no one on the housetop go down to enter the house or take anything out. Let no one in the field go back for their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those uh, will be the days of distress, unequal, unequal from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. The phrase uh, abomination of desolation comes from the book of Daniel and refers to idolatrous pollution of the Jewish temple by Gentiles. To the Jews, idolatry was an abomination. Now, this happened twice before. Remember I said how events will, will precede like historical biblical events that Jesus talks about prophetically or prophets talk about prophetically in the word of God, you'll see them, their shadow cast forward in time. In 1960, or I'm sorry, in uh, 167 BC, the Syrian king Antiochus IV poured swine's blood all over the altar at the temple. This was, a, this was an event predicted by Daniel in chapter 13 of his book. In AD 70, when the Romans captured uh, and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, however, these events were the anticipation of the final abomination of desolation. Do you see how this is, is foreshadowing what's about to take place? Twice before this, we've seen a desolation take place at the temple courts. There will be another one that takes place in the future at the time in the tribulation. Jesus gave a very special warning to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem and Judea. Get out as fast as you can, because this will be the greatest persecution of the church we've ever seen. The, the, those left witnesses, not the church. It will be horrific, unlike anything we have ever seen. So let's move to the last half of the tribulation, starting in verse 19. Sorry, verse 20. If the Lord had not cut those, these days short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive those, if that were possible, even the elect. So be on guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and the leaves come out, you will know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Even in the midst of his wrath, God remembers mercy. And for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those left behind, he shortens the days of the tribulation. The elect referred to here are Israelites and Gentiles who come to belief during the tribulation period. The days are shortened. 
Satanic deception will continue to the very end, and false Christs and false prophets will lead people astray. In fact, they will even do miracles. A quick side note, an important thing to make mention of here. As followers of Christ, we are not known for our miracles, but our love for one another. Miracle is not proof of a divine calling or approval from God. I have seen people do miracles that do not have a relationship with Jesus. And be very careful that we don't connect our cards to people because of the things they perform. Because I have seen pastors, evangelists fill pulpits that had no love in their heart for the very people they're ministering to. They can put on a show, they can hype people up, they can yell and scream from the pulpit and at the altar. But if there's no love there, how valid is their ministry? Church, we need to have love as our foundation. The tribulation period will climax with the appearing and terrifying signs in heaven. Worldwide chaos all over the earth. These signs, which have been predicted by the prophets Isaiah and Joel, will prepare the way for the coming of Jesus Christ on earth. It will be a revelation of his glory. And he comes to establish his rule here on earth. The day and the hour is unknown. No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when this time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells them one at the, he keep, tells one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watching, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether it is in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. We must be alert. And while this is talking about the events that will transpire in a, in a period of time where the church will no longer be here, the lessons still are for us today. The scripture lays out very clearly that God assigns people a task, and you are assigned a task today. What does it mean for us? We still have a job to do, church. Matthew 22 says very clearly, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor, not the people that you necessarily get along with, not the people who think the same way that you do, the people we do life with together in the workplace, in our neighborhood, in our community. We are to love the people here in Ripon and surrounding communities. That is a mission given to us by God, period. Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. On mission. What does this all mean? It means we ought to be doing what Jesus called us to do. I see so many people right now, so many people in church culture 
talking about events that are yet to come, but placing no burden on reaching the lost. Church, if we truly believe we're at the doorsteps of the rapture of the church, what should be our greatest priority? Taking people with us. Taking people with us. And we're empowered by a Holy Spirit to give us the words. If the Holy Spirit gives us the words at the moments where we're put before kings and conquerors and given us the power to witness, don't you think that the Holy Spirit can give you the words to say to your neighbor, to your loved ones? He can, he can empower you to serve and to show his love to the people that you do life with at your workplace. A few weeks back, we talked about the importance of having a song in your heart. For the last several months, as people have come to me and talked to me about end-time events and what they feel we should prioritize, there's been a song that's been in my heart. Worship team, if you come back. The worship team is not playing this today. I didn't ask them to do this. I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to read this or sing it. I don't know. I, I thought it was silly, but I felt like this morning God told me that I'm going to share it with you. People talking like it's the end of time. And I look up to the heavens for a sign. Everybody's looking at me, but I won't be deceived nor afraid because I know that the sun is on the way. When the skies fall down, it crumbles into the sea. The sun goes out. He's coming back for me. I'll be found at the place where the gravity leaves the ground, and I won't be coming down. And I've heard rumors that war is not far away, and if they take me, I'll know just what to say. Everybody's up in arms, but I won't be alarmed nor afraid, because I know that the sun is on the way. The sky falls down, it crumbles into the sea, sun goes out. He's coming back for me. I'll be found at the place where the gravity leaves the ground. And I won't be coming down. Church, I'm not afraid. Because the King of Kings has placed a seal on my life. And he has commissioned me to do ministry in this generation. Would you stand to your feet this morning? You don't have to be afraid. We started the service talking about how God is here and he is here right now. And all this talk about end times, if it makes you afraid, if it gets you worried and causes stress, you don't have to. Because the king is here. You don't have to memorize any of this information. All you need to have is a relationship with Jesus. And this morning, he's stretching out, and the voice on his lips is your name. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to change and transform your life. And if that's you this morning, if you're here in this place or watching online, I want to pray with you to start a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? I need a Savior. 
a Savior from my sin, a Savior from myself. And there's only one that's the real Messiah, the real Savior. And his name is Jesus. And in this moment, I stretch out my faith and I proclaim that Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you came, that you lived, you died, and you rose again. And I accept your invitation. Lord, come into my life. Save me, change me, transform me, show me what's possible. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, please let us know. We want to come alongside of you and celebrate. For those here this morning who you've got a relationship with Jesus, and maybe this still weighs on you, I want to tell you He has called you. He has called you. He's placed his seal upon you that you might do the things he has called you to do, love and serve your neighbors, to love and serve him. It is the greatest calling, yet it is the calling that the church seems to let go of so easily in this generation. That will not be the legacy of this church. We will not just talk about reaching the lost. We will do it with the help of Jesus himself. It is what we are called to do, and we will do it. This morning, Lord, as we transition into worship and close out this worship experience, God, you have called us to reach those who need a Savior. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us fire and a passion. Drive us to our knees that we might weep for the lost. Lord, we talked about generations that prayed for this church. And Lord, they laid the groundwork for this very moment that we might step out in faith and be the church that they dreamt of seeing. It is our turn. It is our turn to run. And God, I know that the devil would do everything in us. He would try to throw fear and, dis and, and, and depression and discouragement in our face. Tell us we're not good enough to shut up and sit down. But I will not sit when the King of Kings has called us to proclaim the message of hope, grace, and peace to our community. The church must stand. And the devil needs to be under our feet where the King of kings and the Lord of lords has put him. Church, we must rise to the occasion and be bearers of the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation message. God, pour out your spirits. Let us be bold in our faith. Let us be strong in our servants' hearts. May we stand and may we not fear. For the King of kings and the Lord of lords goes with us.
worship team is going to lead us in one more song, but I just want to give you an opportunity. We talked this morning about there are people here in this place with burdens and issues, and maybe, maybe you just feel this moment of drawing. Look, God works in lots of different ways. I, my nature is not to yell and, and get fired up like that, but when, when you sense the Spirit catching you on fire, it's so powerful. It's overwhelming. And I wanted you to be able to have those moments, not to, to yell and scream, but to have the overwhelming sense of God doing things deeper in you. And maybe, maybe your miracle this morning is waiting for you up here at the altar. And you just need an encounter with God. Listen, don't let the devil steal away a moment that God wants to give to you today. It's not about me praying for you or anybody else praying for you. It's about just, just surrender and letting God come in. So as Robbie and the team lead us in the one last song, and then Robbie's going to close service today, but I guess that's the plan. We'll see what God wants to do. But if you want to come to the altar, come up here to the altar. Don't be embarrassed. Don't let the enemy say, what will people think? You know what this pastor's going to think? That's a person being obedient to Jesus. That's what I'm going to think. So if you're calling, if you're being called this morning to come lay something down, pick something up, just spend a moment with God at the altar, please obey the Lord and do that. Robbie, would you lead us one more time? Sing this with me. Even when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. Sing it again. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop. believe it even though even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you
keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you
on, give the Lord a clap offering of praise this morning. Let's shout out our praise to the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Lord, we glorify your name. Jesus, we exalt you. God, you hold everything in your hands. You know the beginning from the end. You are the great and mighty King. God, you know the future. God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you are doing in our lives today, that we might trust that you have us on the right path. God, we may not understand how it is you're working, but we know that you work all things together for your good. And we trust that this morning. God, I thank you for our church and for our pastor and for each person that is a part of this church family. God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. God, you've got a work for us to do. God, use us to encourage others. Use us to bring life and hope to those who are lost and hurting. God, as we go our separate ways now, I pray that you would remind us throughout the week of your love and your faithfulness. God, may you give us a song of worship. And now, Lord, we pray over our offering. Thank you, God, for how you are supplying our needs at this church. God, as we give our tithes and our offerings to you, pray that it would be used to bring glory and honor to your name. Go with us now. God, may we continue to worship you not only with our song, God, but may we live a life of worship. Our life belongs to you. We give it to you as a sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next week.